Well, my name is Chad, and I want to say thank you again for joining us. If you're part of our family, then likely you are aware that today during Father's Day is going to be just a special service. What we like to emphasize in our church is expository preaching. We take a passage of the scriptures, read it, and just explain it verse by verse. But we're doing something just extra special today. Over this last year, we've just seen an influx of new families come. And we don't always get to meet them and know their stories. And so what we would like to do today is actually we're going to be hearing from four different men that are going to be coming. And not all of them are new to us. At least one of them has been with us for a while. But there is value in hearing testimonies. Think of what the Scripture says. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 32, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. So if you have received the grace of God, you have been born again, then one of the privileges you have is to testify how God is changing you. In 1 John 5.11, it says, And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life. It's healthy for a congregation to come together. In Hebrews 2, verse 12, it says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Psalm 66, verse 16 says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, there's this conflict, and it says they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. And we are encouraged always to be ready to share a testimony in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as always. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet you do it with gentleness and respect. So we're going to hear from a few men right now. The first is Marco Patz. His wife, Kimberly, is right back here. They've been with us for about a year And it's been an absolute blessing to get to know this young couple, been able to spend some time with them in small group. I'm really looking forward to hearing what what God would put on Marco's heart. And then following Marco, what I appreciate about Highland Crest is that there is a, a variety of different families within our church. And I think we have a heart not only for us here in Green Bay, but we get excited about people of international flavor. And so there's the Kachuk family. How was that? Pretty close. (laughs) And they are actually from the Ukraine. And they have been with us, I think, probably less than a year. And so let me introduce them to you. This is Alex. And you could just raise your hand, Alex. Uh, His wife, Valentina, is over here. And uh, Alex's mother is Hannah, right here. And then their oldest is Mariana. And Mariana... When Alex gives his testimony in a little bit, we'll actually be doing the translation. And then there's Christiana, you want to raise your hand, and Usna is right here, and then Nazar is right over here. And so they have been with us, and, um, and if I'm about Alex's age, and I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to go to another country. I've, I've gone to Senegal, 
And at our age, it's very difficult to learn a new language. And I think, I think Alex can understand it better than speak it right now. But I have a lot of empathy for what he is experiencing. And so also what you can't help but like about Alex is he's got about the best haircut in our church. <laughs> and so when Marco was finished, um, then Alex and Mariana, why don't you come up and then you can share your testimony, Alex. So let's hear it for Marco at this time. Let's thank the Lord that he's coming to share his story with us. Good morning, Highland Crest. Uh, my name is Marco Pats, and I'll be sharing my testimony with you guys today. On October 7th, uh, 1993, the United States Army landed in East Africa. Uh, East Africa at the time was in the midst of a bloody civil war, and troops were sought to help restore order. That was the exact month, um, exact day and year I was actually born. Uh, prior to my birth, my mother and my father sought Islam, uh, Islam in Rome, Italy, while I was born for far away from the, the violence because of the Civil War, the famine, and such lost. God had other plans for my early upbringing. Uh, I came to the United States when I was seven years old and soon found myself in a foster care system. It was not long after arriving in the States, seeing the brokenness at the home in Africa and having no father figure in my life, that I realized that life was going to be hard from the start. But God had this plan for me, and he brought, that, he brought them in his timing and by his hand. I got adopted into the Pats family, which is the family that actually started the camp and college ministry called Northland. God used foster care and adoption to begin to show me the gospel through his word and his people. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ at Northland camp one summer as a young teenager while hearing an evangelist talk about heaven and hell. I recognized that I was destined to hell because I was a sinner. I confessed my sin to God and put my faith in Christ alone to save me. My adoptive father played a big role in helping me grow spiritually and understand the Christian faith by the way he would lead in our home, serve our local church, and serve the ministry at Northland. His example has made a lasting impact on me, and since coming to America at age seven, and being adopted at age 11, my life has changed drastically. Even though, I have, even though I put my hope and trust in Jesus at an early age, during my sophomore year in college, I really started to question God for so many things that had happened to me in the past and in the present. I also struggled with my identity, why God made me, and allowed me to go through all the things that he did. God, by his grace, sustained me through some challenging times in college, and showed me my utter dependence and need for his love and grace in Christ alone and his finished work on the cross. It is by God's grace that I love to be in the word each day. I love my wife and enjoy serving his people the best in whatever capacity he has given me. Since my college years in the book of Romans has been a huge encouragement to me in my walk in the faith, I would like to close by sharing one of my favorite passages in all of scripture Romans 8, 38-39, which says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us 
and the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Доброго ранку. Good morning. Мене звати Алекс, я з України. My name is Alex, I am from Ukraine. Я хотів би поділитися свідченням свого навернення до Господа. I want to share my testimony about my conversion to the Lord. Моя дочка Маріана допоможе мені з перекладом. My daughter Mariana will help me with translation. Коли я народився, Україна була частиною комуністичного Радянського Союзу, де атеїзм був важливою частиною державної ідеології. When I was born, Ukraine was a part of Communist Soviet Union, where atheism was an important part of the state's ideology. В нашій сім'ї було шестеро дітей. There were six children in our family. Моя мама була віруючою, а тато на момент мого народження відступив від віри і був переконаним атеїстом. My mom, mother was a Christian believer and dad at the moment when I was born apostatized from the faith and was a convinced atheist. З нами жила бабуся, котра доглядала за нами, коли батьки працювали. Our grandma lived with us and she took care of us when our parents worked. Вона була глибоко віруючою людиною і навчила мене молитися. She was a deeply believing person and she taught me to pray. Перше уявлення про Бога, про віру, про світ я отримав саме від неї. First images about God, faith and world I got from her. Вона погано бачила і не могла читати, тому іноді просила почитати її Біблію. She could not see well and she could not read, so sometimes she asked me to read Bible to her. Я прочитав разом з нею багато слова Божого і пам'ятаю, мене дивувало Яку насолоду вона отримує, слухаючи його. I read a lot of God's word with her and I remember that I was very impressed how much pleasure she got while listening to it. Інколи мама брала мене в церкву, хоча тато не дуже схвалював це. Sometimes mom took me to church with her, although my father did not very approve of it. Для мене малого було справжнім випробуванням відбути довге було служіння в тісній кімнаті переповнені людьми. For me as little kid it was a real test to see the whole service in a cramped room full of people. Коли зараз я спостерігаю за дітьми під час богослужіння, то мені хочеться сказати, я можу зрозуміти вас. Now when I'm watching kids during the service, I want to say I understand you. Пізніше мама розповідала мені, що вона багато молилася за нас з братом. Тому що хвилювалася, щоб ми не пішли тим шляхом, який вибрав тато. Later my mom told me that she prayed a lot about me and my brother because she worried that we will choose the same way our father did. Також важливу роль у моєму духовному становленні зіграли християнські радіопередачі, які транслювалися на територію Радянського Союзу, Західної Європи і Південної Америки. An important role in my spiritual development was played by Christian radio programs that were broadcast in the territory of Soviet Union from Western Europe and South America. SRSR was absolutely closed and radio signals from the border were broadcast by special stations. 
The Soviet Union was a completely closed country and radio signal from abroad was muffled by special stations. Комуністи ретельно старалися заглушити сигнал голосу Америки, Радіо Свобода і також християнського трансвітового радіо. The communists carefully tried to to drown out the radio signal of Radio Liberty, Voice of America and Christian Transworld Radio. Незважаючи на перешкоди сигналу, я з цікавістю слухав змістовні проповіді спів. Despite the interference of the signal, I listened to meaningful preaching and singing with interest. Особливо мені подобалась радіопередача, де християнський апологет відповідав на листи атеїстів, блискуче розбиваючи їхні аргументи. Especially I liked the program where a Christian apologist was answering to letters from atheists brilliantly breaking down their arguments. Це формувало раціональну сторону моєї віри. It shaped the rational side of my faith. Завдячуючи цьому я з раннього віку усвідомлював себе християнином і мені ніколи не приходило на думку погодитися з агресивною атеїстичною пропагандою, яка виливалась на наші дитячі голови, починаючи з класів початкової школи. Thanks to all that, from early childhood I consider myself as a Christian and I never got a thought to agree with aggressive atheistic propaganda that was put out on our kids' heads starting in elementary school. I don't know the exact day of my conversion to the Lord. Це не сталося одномоментно, це був процес усвідомлення власної гріховності і віра в жертву Ісуса Христа як вирішення цієї проблеми. It did not happen in in one moment. It was a process of realizing my sinfulness and faith in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as a solution to this problem. Я поступово перейшов із прийняття Бога як творця всього до віри у нього як милостивого спасителя, який помер за мене. I gradually moved from perceiving God as a creator of everything to believing in the merciful Savior who died for me. Думаю, це відбулось в ранньому підлітковому віці. I think it happened in the early teenage. Я був ухрещений в 16 років і приєднався до церкви. I got baptized in the age of 16 and become a member of a church. Згадуючи своє навернення, я бачу, яку важливу роль відіграє сім'я в спрямуванні дитини до істини. Remembering my conversion, I see what an important role family plays in the directing child to the truth. Те мале, що було посіяне в моєму дитинстві, змогло прорости і принести добрий плід, незважаючи на сприятливі обставини. This little that was sown in my childhood was able to germinate and bear good fruit despite the adverse circumstances. Усіяна через бабусю, маму та інших віруючих стало тим Божим немічним, що сильніше воно від людей, як апостол Павло пише першому до Коринтян. Seed sown by mom, grandma and other believers become the weakness of God that is greater than man, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Ми, батьки, маємо унікальну можливість стати знареднім Господнім в житті наших дітей і сформувати ту основу, яку не зруйнує життєві штурми. We parents have a unique opportunity to become instruments of God in our children's lives and form a foundation for them that will not be destroyed by life's storms.
Ďakujem. Thank you. I wonder if I could ask a few questions of you. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Uh, and Valentina, would you mind coming up here as well? Uh, several weeks, maybe months ago, we were invited to, to the family and got to learn a little bit more of their story. And I, I know that in the Ukraine you were very involved in a local church there. Can you tell us what were some of the things that you did in that church and what that church was like? So my father was a deacon for 15 years in this church. For a long time, uh, his ministry work was to preach non-believers outside of the church. Mm -hmm. And what about your mother? So, for some time, my mom was sitting in worship group. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, uh, I was in youth ministry. We were doing some meets for uh, teen, teens. Mm -hmm. It was not only in church, but for non-believer teens in our area. Mm -hmm. And did you play instruments as well? <laughs> my father played guitar. I also can play guitar. Our other sisters uh, was a part of our local little trumpet or orchestra. Okay. And could I just ask, um, how important was your church to you? And what has it been like to not be with them? So we had really close relationship with people in the church. It was really like our family, and it was really important for us. Yeah, it's been difficult to be away from them. Yeah. Well, what we would like to do today, Kim, there's a little thing over there. I wonder if the, the three of you could come towards me. And if I remember right, you have such a love for the Ukraine that your hope is to be able to go back to the Ukraine. Is that right? Yes. Well, in America, what we do to welcome people is we provide a welcome basket to them. And, and as long as we are able to, am I right about this, family, that we would like to be your church family yes. until you are able to go So you see in that basket, cheese. <laughs> That's kind of who we are here in Wisconsin. There's some sausage here, but in this envelope is, is a gift card. And we would like you, Alex, to, to buy whatever you think would be wise, to buy something special for your wife, for your mother, for your children, to have a special meal on us. And it's just, it's a symbol to say that we love you guys. And we would love to be your family while you're here.
It is good for us, isn't it, to hear how God's glorious gospel has is intersected with our lives and it has brought change. It's just so affirming to us. We don't always get an opportunity in passing in the hallways or before or after service to hear one another's story. So just to be able to pause and just think, I never knew that that person was going through all of that. They, they have some common qualities and experiences that I have. You know, in the scriptures... There was a man that was greatly troubled. In fact, he was um, possessed by several demons. And when the Lord Jesus cast those demons out, that man became a follower of Jesus. And he wanted just to be a part of that mission tour with Jesus. But we read in Luke 8, verse 39, where Jesus told that man, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. There's something about just returning and just giving evidence of how God has changed our lives. The next person we're going to hear from is Sean Wilkinson. He's here with his friend Crystal. You can wait just for a moment. I'll introduce you. I remember when Sean came almost a year ago or maybe a little over. um, He was right back there. introduced myself right before the service, and he was so excited to to be in a a church, emphasize Bible preaching. I think it was just a few days after that we had a cup of coffee together, and then I got to hear his story, and he has been so faithful to, to Highland Crest since then, whether in morning attendance, whether in Bible studies, or I think in small groups as well. It has been a joy to get to know Sean, and uh, to hear his story of how God began a work in him, and he's continuing to do that. And after Sean is done giving his testimony, you might have heard of a guy named Mel Zimmerman. <laughs> well, we're going to get an opportunity to hear from Mel, his wonderful wife, Jean, is so faithful to our church. I'm not sure I know of anyone that loves the local church as much as the Zimmermans and loves this local church. They, they, they love this local church as well. And Mel has been through a lot in recent years. If you've been on our prayer list and you, you've been praying for Mel, and I think he's going to be able to share some of the insights that he has been learning over these years. So we're really looking forward to hearing from Mel in, in just a little bit. So at this time, Sean, won't you come? Let's uh, offer a warm welcome to Sean Wilkinson. Oh, wow, I'm a little nervous. Um, I, I guess my name's Sean Wilkinson. Um, I grew up close to here, grew up down in Oshkosh, uh, grew up going to a Lutheran church. Um, everything was great, um, with the exception of my rebellious nature. At about 16, I went left hard. Um, ended up not not going completely off the rails, um, but I, I was definitely functioning without Jesus. And I had found out long after, you know, in, in reflecting back, that no matter how good things were going, um, depression was still there. I was still empty. I was still hollow. Um, there was no... I could find fleeting happiness, but I could never find joy. 
Um, after, after a point, I don't know, it was probably late 30s, um, I started uh, partying, going to, you know, at the bars. I started going beyond the bars and ended up with full-blown drug addiction. Um, ended up losing my apartment. Uh, my oldest son It's kind of testimony, I guess, that I'm actually able to, to leave the house today on Father's Day. Still working on getting him back. Um, but during the pandemic, I was at, at the height of, of my addiction and probably the lowest of my rock bottom. Um, ended up in jail. Uh, in jail during the, pan- during the pandemic, you basically got put in, in solitary confinement um, for the duration of, um, why am I drawing a blank on the word? Your uh, quarantine. And at that point, they weren't passing books back and forth, and I was absolutely going nuts. My own mother wouldn't answer the phone. Um, you know, it's the loneliest I've ever been. Not knowing what was going to happen at that point, um, couldn't get any books, like I'd said, and so I figured they wouldn't deny me a Bible. So I started asking for a Bible, and for a week, they kept telling me no. Um, about six, seven days in, I actually was breaking down pretty hard, attempted to take my life. Um, something just clicked that it wasn't right, though, and I stopped. And I don't even remember. I didn't make a conscious decision. I just started praying. At that point, all of a sudden, there's a weight that was lifted off my shoulder, or my chest, and I pretty much cried myself to sleep. Got woken up in the morning with a guard knocking on the door, sliding a Bible through the tray slot. Um, so the next week went a lot better. Then I got it, got out of quarantine and into um, um, general population, and uh, it was the um, minimum security. So you basically get a pod with a bunch of guys. Um, and I met this amazing friend of mine um, who was doing Bible studies. So I started doing Bible studies. Uh, and that kind of kicked it off. Everything's been different. Everything's been different. I've been different uh, since that point. Um, I, I guess there's one thing I wanted to share that I remember reading in a book. Um, it was called Bondage Breakers. I'm not sure how that theology lines up now. So at that point, I was, I was pretty new. Um, but I remember one, one line in it, and it said something along the lines of, um, it's, it's amazing when you find out that all you have is Jesus, all you need is Jesus. And pretty much been living on that. Um, I guess to wrap it up, since I was told three to five minutes, I can't get into too, too many details, and there's also children here. Um, so I, I guess I, I was asked to focus on um, what Jesus is doing in my life now. Um, and, and, you know, I thought about this over the, the course of the last week, and I was working at St. John's Homeless Shelter for a while, started the Bible studies there, um, had to share my testimony a lot, and the one thing I shared with everybody, I, I think it's the resounding biggest consistent factor that's, that's different now, is there's an underlying consistent joy that I'd never experienced before. Even on, even on the rough days, even when the depression is kicking in, um, even when I'm struggling, there's still that consistent joy that I can lean back on. And there, there's times that I'll forget, you know, forget and kind of start to go left again. Uh, not as hard as I did in the past, but, you, you know, just 
not make it downstairs for, for my devotionals in the morning or, um, you know, just starting to let the de- depression get, get a little ahead of itself. Um, if I bring it back to prayer, if I bring it back to opening the word, you know, that, that joy is uncovered. You, you know, I'm able to, able to see that. So I, I guess that's, that's the major reason or the major thing that, that Jesus is doing in my life. With that, I'll, I'll close. Thank you. Sean, and the, the two testimonies we heard earlier, I, I think Marco kind of pinpointed a time where he was became a believer. And uh, Alex, we could identify, I think, others in this room that say it was more of a gradual thing for him. What about for you? What would you say? You could stand in front and answer that. that that's hard, and I've gone back and forth. I, I think it's a clear-cut one point, and that was that, that night in the jail cell. Um, but I, I have questioned a couple of times, uh, being brought up um, Lutheran, um, you know, when I was a child, I, I accepted Christ. Um, I, I turned left, you know, and pretty much denounced. I, I don't know. I can't say for sure if I've been saved or not. But, I, I mean, it, it would make sense that, that I could have been. Once saved, always saved. And that was just the point, you know, that was the point that, you know, I needed to hit to bring me back. So... I would say it was that one night in the jail cell, but I'm still... Okay. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Sometimes we don't exactly know, but today you, you profess Christ, and he is the only yes. one that saved you by, by his grace. Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Thank you. They moved my heart rate down to 60 on Thursday. And so you can tell I'm having a little trouble doing stairs. Um, I want to start out by reading uh, Marco, you're dead meat, by the way. Just let you know. Uh, I want to read some verses that Gene and I, um, as a family, we, we took these verses on uh, when our daughter was... A couple of months old, uh, she took her in for her two-month checkup, and we were told that we should institutionalize her and forget that she exists. Um, The doctor said that uh, she was severely brain damaged, uh, would probably uh, be mentally retarded, and uh, I will tell you, don't judge me harshly, She was probably the ugliest baby you ever saw. Other people felt the same way. So I will hide behind that. Um, To say the least, she was not retarded. And and that never entered our minds. We, We knew that God gave her to us. And if that's what we were going to deal with, we were just going to deal with it. That wasn't a problem. But anyhow, these verses uh, became very important to us at that time and helped us through, oh, I'm going to say probably a few weeks of tough times. It didn't last long. But it says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I read that because our daughter is is older. <laughs> I won't say how old she is. She might watch this. Uh, and I have to be careful. But uh, she is older now and uh, has three daughters who are doing quite well, is married, and has a job, uh, does all the things, and um, is not brain damaged, to say the least, okay? Um but I need to to share some things with you. For the last two and a half years, uh, I've been in the hospital over 50 times. Um, and I'm counting those times that I stayed at least... Oh, I'm sorry. I got to stay in front of this. I'm not used to that. I'm used to... Anyhow... Um, I'm counting only the times where I had to spend at least a night. I stayed usually an average of three to four nights, uh, some greater, uh, mostly because of my heart. Uh, I have AFib, and uh, the top part of my heart would go at 184 beats a minute, and the bottom wanted to go at 60. And... uh, you can't live that way. And so I would go into the hospital, the emergency room, and I would be unconscious and all that. Um, in that, um, four times I flatlined, which means they used electricity and shocked me. I have a burn on my back where I was in the heart cath and it happened, and they had the tubes and the electrodes down my throat, and then when they hit me, it burnt me there and came back and burnt my hip. Um, But uh, four times they did that. Four times I went code blue. Uh, Once when they hit me, my hit me so hard I spit the uh, thing out of my mouth and ran my teeth and my tongue to where they had to call the surgeon in to remove my teeth out of my tongue so that I could talk and eat. Now, I'm only telling you this because this is what you prayed about. When I came, would come back to church, um, usually when I got out, if I got out in time, the next thing I did was come here. Um, at Easter time, the doctor said, I suppose you want to go home. And I said, yes. And he looked at my wife. Uh, by the way, my, um, my declaration of life is activated now. When I go in, 
I no longer have the say, so I have to treat my wife and my oldest daughter like queens because <laughs> they can pull the plug any time. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, that's fear. I'm not afraid of anything else, but I'm afraid of that. You got to treat them right. I learned what that means. The Bible says it, now I know it. Uh, anyhow, uh, that is activated, so I have to be very careful. But uh, uh, one time I was in the, and uh, I had to have a 24-hour nurse because my heart was doing crazy things. And uh, so during the night, I had this young man um, who was very good and, and reacted very quickly when my heart would take off. And he said to me, are you retired? And I said, yes, I am. Uh, I'm in here. You, you guys won't let me go to work. So no one will hire me. He said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm doing all I can to be active in my church. He said, what do you do? And I said, well, I teach Sunday school. And he's writing on the board my statistics and everything. And he stops and he looks at me and he says, what's Sunday school? And I'm thinking, now, you got to understand, at that time I had six IVs in. And oxygen in my nose and my brain was running at about a third. And I thought, someone in America, who's an American, who has an American education, and they don't know what Sunday school is. So I was more than happy to explain Sunday school. And he said, do you do anything else? And I said, yeah, I'm a deacon. And I said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, what's a deacon? <laughs> That's tougher. So we had a chat about the Bible. And uh, because I've been in so many times, I've seen him often. Um, there are certain floors that I've been in every room. Um, the, uh, the emergency, I've been in all the rooms. The heart ICU, I've been in all the rooms. I'm working on the fifth floor now. <laughs> I think I have uh, four of those taken care of. But hopefully, because of what they've done now, I won't go back so often. Um, things are going much better. Um, I need to share with you, though, <clears throat> the miracle. Uh, you see, me standing here, after all this garbage that's gone on, uh, it's a miracle. I, I won't say that it isn't. But if I were standing in heaven, it would still be a miracle. Here's the miracle. You prayed and God answered. And that's the miracle that I want to share with you today. Not that I'm standing here. Not that I went through over 50 times in the hospital and all of that. It's that you prayed God answered, I'm here. Now, tomorrow, if I'm in heaven, God still answered. But, but never forget that. Never, never stop praying. Uh, always pray that God's will will be done as it was in my life. 
Uh, God's will was that I need to stand here and share with you that your prayer was answered. Okay? And, and that you have a vision. It's not very good, but you can see me. And God has answered that prayer. Um, in the meantime, while this all happened, uh, Gene and I were able to finish our master's degrees. Uh, often she would be out in the car because during COVID they wouldn't let you have visitors. So she would be out in the car till nine or 10 o'clock at night studying, waiting for them to call her and tell her that uh, I had passed away. I can remember often, and I can't even, I tried to write down how many times doctors would stand at the foot of my bed And my wife would be there and they'd say, he's not going home. We've done all we can. He won't be going home. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm right here, dude. Talk to me. You know, tell me that. Don't tell her. She'll pull the plug. (laughs) I heard that so many. I remember one time I was in ICU and they hadn't even admitted me yet. And I had three IVs going, I had a tube, I had th- oxygen in my nose, and this guy's saying, we've done all we can, uh, he, we, we don't even have a room for him. We're, we're probably not going to need a room. Uh, basically saying, I, I'm not going to make it. And I said, you don't understand who's praying? And you don't know God. How can you stand there and tell my wife that I'm not going to a room and that I'm not going home? When you don't know, let me give you an idea. Most of you in here were praying for me. I know that. You've told me. I'm in a small group. I know that every person in that small group here at Highland Crest was praying for me. I'm part of the deacon board, and I know that all the deacons were praying for me. I have a card at home of a small church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Every person's on there. Every person signed the back of that card and sent it to Gene and I saying, we're praying for you. I have friends in Togo, West Africa, who sent a message to my children who brought that message to me that said, our churches in Togo are praying for you. And this doctor had the audacity to say, we've done all we can, he's going to die. Well, when they do all they can, God hasn't started yet. And so I, I wasn't real concerned with what he said, I was just hoping they had a room for me. Uh, Usually when you get a room, they pull some of those needles out and some of that other stuff, and and you don't, you're a little more comfortable. And by the way, if you've ever been in the emergency room, the beds are about that wide, you hang over everywhere. When you get in a room, they're they're a little wider and they're a little more comfortable. Um, I've... Jean and I talked often when it was just she and I or, or she and I and my daughter were in my room. 
about how, humanly speaking, some of us think that we have all the answers. Um, And I am not knocking modern medicine, believe me. I wouldn't be standing here without it. Uh, I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I also believe that where it is limited, God starts and can take it much farther. And if God wanted me here, which I believe he did, I'm here. If God wanted me in heaven, which is fine with me, by the way, I would be in heaven. I remember one time I woke up in the emergency room. don't even know how I got there. And uh, Chad was there and Gene were there and they were planning my funeral. <laughs> I woke up and said, I'm thirsty. <clears throat> they said, well, you can't have a drink. And then I told Gene, I said, I go to the bathroom then. Let me up. I know where I can get a drink. They got us thinking there. I stayed three or four days and went home. I don't know what was wrong. Then another time, I was five days out of it. And uh, I woke up and I told Gene, I said, I feel fine. When can I go home? That time I had COVID and pneumonia. I have no idea how I got that, but I did. And uh, the doctor said, well, you got to stay through the protocol. When that was over, he said, you, I suppose you want to go home. That was one. I said, yes. And he said, why do you want to go home? And I said, this was on Thursday, right, Gene, if I got it right? I said, Sunday's Easter Sunday. I need to be at church. And so he let me out and I came to church. I think I made it through that whole service. There are some I could come to Sunday school and couldn't. But that one I met, you got to be in church on Easter, right? I mean, that's where, that's where we have to be for sure. I believe you have to be in church anytime you're home. But that's just, just Gene and I. That's who we are. Uh, Chad is exactly right. Uh, we have fallen in love here. But God has taught me something that, you know, sometimes you think you know everything. And God has taught me that even though I'm in love here, there may be something else. And so I'll be very frank with you. Uh, We're open to wherever God may send us to go. Um, I don't know where that would be. We would prefer it here, obviously. Uh, we've got we've got a lot to do, and I think there's a lot to do here at Island Crest Baptist Church. Uh, God is working, but I think He's only beginning. I think there's a great deal that could be done right here, and so uh, we're praying about what God wants because I'm here, and um, there's at least eight doctors that I'm aware of that said I won't be, and so I need to. I need to find out, and we're praying about it, where God would want us, either here or somewhere else, wherever that might be. You pray with us. Uh, We understand the power of prayer. Uh, There are families in this church who understand the power of prayer. And, And I go back over the last few years, and 
and I think of the Hicks family. And you'll excuse me for picking on you. Uh, There were times when uh, the doctors told me that they brought me back from the dead. Uh, I could hardly wait here to tell Al, I didn't see your parents. Didn't see mine. Didn't go to heaven. Didn't go to hell. Didn't come back. I don't buy all that. But anyhow, I, I wanted to make sure he knew I didn't see his parents or mine. And I know they're there. We've talked about it. Compared notes. But I'm here to tell you God put me here for some reason. And, and I'm not doing nothing. But there's more to go. There's more to do. Uh, Just as God works here, I believe there's more to do here. And I would challenge you to get involved. To uh, get out of the pew, get off your seat, and get involved here at Highland Crest. and, And stay involved all the time. Don't make it a part time. Get involved and stay involved and be an active member of this congregation. You'll fall in love quicker with the people here and you'll stay in love longer, okay? Thanks for praying. Tell me if these verses fit what we've just heard in Psalm 71, verses 15 through 18. The psalmist said, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. But the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness Yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to the old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Psalm 71, verses 15 through 18. As we close out our testimonies today, you have heard of a repeated theme of love. I just remind you of this simple little verse that we refer to often in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that is, that God so loved you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you have a story of receiving the forgiveness of sins that is offered? Uh, That is the common quality that each of these have, whether born on this continent or another. That message is still relevant today. And I may have never met you, or maybe I have, and I know you well, But this is the invitation. God so loved you 
that he would not be willing to keep you in your sins and under the judgment of his holiness. But in order for you to escape the judgment and the wrath to come, he has sent Christ, not as just a teacher, not as just a miracle worker, but ultimately to die in your place, to be raised three days later. And so I urge you to receive this gift of eternal life. Place all of your confidence in what Jesus has done for you, and he will save you. And you will have a testimony. You will have a story to share with others. Something else these men had in common is they are not perfect. In fact, each of them are broken. And they're, they're applying the God's grace to their life just as any of us will today. Let's sing this song as the music team comes that I think expresses what I'm trying to say. It's, Lord, I need you. Everyone here is in need of God's help. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these real-life testimonies, that these are not just words that have come from the Bible. There's where our power lies. But we have heard four stories of men that have taken these truths to heart. They've received this gift of forgiveness. They have entered into a relationship with you. And as your strength enables them, they are seeking to obey and to love you and to love others. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that has yet to trust you, that they would be saved from their sins, you would grant them the faith to do that. And they too would identify and share these good deeds that you are working in their life by the grace that you've given to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand and let's sing this song together.